0: Thank you for joining us today. I'm Andrew
1: Mitchell. I'm Sean Salitro. And this is The Stewardship Project. Where we are on a journey to discover how we can best care for all the time, relationships, and resources that we have been given.
0: talking with Claire DeGraff about how to steward mentorship. Most people view mentoring as a relationship where an older man or woman imparts knowledge to a younger man or woman, which is largely accurate. What we don't often think about is maturity. Maturity in the area that mentoring is being sought out for is vital. Claire references a mentoring guide that he has put together and that we would like to make available to you at no cost. All you need to do is either reach out to us through our Facebook page or email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Lastly, if you would like to hear Sean and I talk through more of our thoughts and the application of this conversation, tune in to our 10-minute talk series next week.
1: Let's jump into the interview. Uh, well today we have Claire DeGraff with us. If you don't know Claire, Claire is a follower of Jesus Christ and a self-described full-time spiritual mentor for men. He's been married to his wife for 50 years, has 60 children, 20 grandchildren, over, no, 20 grandchildren. At the age of 35, he sold a business that he had developed over 15 years in order to devote his life to serving the kingdom in any capacity. This has involved for him international evangelical teams serving as the chairman of an international deaf ministry, developing biblically-based teaching concepts, and working local church as well. Uh, He's also the author of a book titled The Ten Second Rule, which if you haven't checked it out yet, you should ASAP. Uh, Claire, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Sean and Andrew. So Claire, if we can kind of jump in right away here, can I ask you, why are you so passionate about mentoring?
2: Well, it's the way that... I was actually I came to faith late in life. I mean I, I went to Christian schools all my life, went to church twice on Sunday, was a deacon, Sunday school teacher, and on the evangelism committee and got saved when I was 31. So by the time I came to faith, I had a lot of bad habits. And so I immediately sought out two mentors because I I said I don't even know what the what Christian talks about like on the golf course or about the, I mean I knew all the information. I just didn't know how to think like a Christian because I was mm. just all into me and all into the world. And uh, and so the first mentor I got was a guy who did door-to-door evangelism. I mean, this was a nerdy kind of guy. He was the most spiritually mature guy that I, that I knew, but he wore hush puppies, a turtleneck, and had a big cross <laughs> around his neck. He was so unlike me, people can't believe that he was actually my mentor. And he still is. And uh, and mm-hmm. he took me door-to-door um, evangelism. I thought it was not a very productive way to do evangelism, and I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. But I lost my fear of, of talking to people about Jesus. And so mm-hmm. while that particular method wasn't mine, it was helpful for me to figure out what works for me and what doesn't work for me and I peppered him a million questions, and, and he was incredibly helpful. And then my second mentor was a very successful uh, insurance guy who um, divided his time 50% in the insurance business and 50% in ministry endeavors. And hmm. he belonged to a country club. You know, he was, I uh, traveled all over the world. And same thing, I just wanted to know how do Christian business people make the decisions they do. So I had enough Bible knowledge that I didn't need a lot of that, but I just needed the practical, how do you do this?
0: Yeah, that's great. So, I mean, you've already mentioned a couple of great mentors that you've had in your life. I'm just kind of curious, what are some of the other things that you've learned from mentors or other great mentors that you've had over the years?
2: Well, I, you know, I can't, there's there, I, I picked different mentors for different reasons. When I first came to mm-hmm. faith, I also wanted to understand basic theology because I was still not, I was still carnal enough and self-centered enough that if I went out, if I was going to talk to people about Jesus, I actually wanted to know what I was talking about. So <laughs> I hired a, a pastor one day a week to spend two hours with me, and I just peppered him with theological questions. Well, what about mm. this? What about that? You know, um, how do people come to faith? What about hell? I mean, just a million questions. And and so in a sense, even though I paid him. He was actually my mentor theologically and then Mm -hmm. later on um, i started going on mission trips with other pastors just to hang out with them so i didn't really have a great (laughs) deal of interest in what the mission was i just wanted to spend like uh with a dozen pastors spend a week with a dozen Mm -hmm. pastors how do they conduct themselves when no one's looking when they're outside of the pulpit so I, I was very intentional and very purposeful about choosing mentors for a specific reason. There are kind of all purpose mentors and people come to me and say, would you mentor me? And we'll probably get into the, you know, how that you know, um, plays out in the future. But sometimes people will come to me and say, look, I, I need a mentor for a business venture or a ministry venture. I'm starting this ministry. Would you help me do that? Well then, great. Mm-hmm. That's not generally what we would call mentoring, because I'm kind of consulting with them um, as mm-hmm. a volunteer. But in and in, in a, in, in amongst all of the mechanics of starting a ministry, I'm asking questions of them like, you know, what do you actually hope to accomplish? And what what would success look like? And why are you doing this? And mm-hmm. how long have you prayed about it? So there's a lot of spiritual questions that get asked um, uh, besides the just organizational part of
1: doing yeah. that. So when when you think about mentorship um, in relation to, to spiritual things, uh, where, where in Scripture do you really see mentorship modeled well? Yeah, of course, <clears throat> the word term mentor
2: isn't found in, in Scripture because a mentor was a Greek individual that some general hired to, to take care of his son, teach him things, not just teach him information, mm-hmm. teach him how to be a man and so that's why we call mentoring. <laughs> but you have Eli mentoring uh, Samuel, you have Elisha. You menti- um, 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 mentoring Eli- or Elijah um, mentoring Elisha, you have um, um, Paul mentoring Timothy. You know, so as a practical matter, actually the most famous mentor of all is probably Jesus. You know, we think of him as as training his disciples but he just hung out with them mm. a lot. I mean, they probably sat around, mm. you know, dinner table and sat around the market <laughs> square and they talked about this, you know, sport yeah. teams or whatever. They 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 hung out with him and just saw he, how he handled himself in a variety of, of, of places. And that's what I would consider what mentorship is. It isn't necessarily transfer of information as it is transfer of character. Mm. Mm.
0: That's good. Yeah, so when you start thinking about like how mentorship actually plays out i mean is is mentoring meant to be a lifelong thing or is it meant to be i mean you've kind of mentioned little stints and ebbs and flows here there is it or is it meant to be more of that style where it's for a season or for something specific and then moving on off of that
2: yeah so you know I've, i've um written a mentoring guide i tell people if if I'm still mentoring 10 years from now, then I've probably done a lousy job. (laughs) (laughs) I want to, if if I'm good at what I'm doing and you're a weaker student, you'll learn 80 to 90% of what you need in a couple of years. And I'm going to cut you loose intentionally so I can create space in my calendar for somebody else. And you have to be Mm -hmm. thankful because if I hadn't had that policy, I wouldn't be able to take you on now. So, um, uh, (laughs) So I tried to find those expect, tried to manage those expectations. We may be a friend for life, but we won't meet regularly mm-hmm. for life. And so, I'm occasionally, sure. a man comes to me and wants to be mentored because he's in crisis, his marriage is falling apart, or he's in depression. We might meet every other day, um, or every mm-hmm. other week um, uh, for a few months until he gets some psychological help, maybe gets some legal counseling and so. And in in, in that situation, I'm doing like spiritual, emotional triage where they come in and (sighs) I have a preferred counselor. I have a preferred attorney. I have some CPAs. I have other people I work with and that sometimes I actually will pass them over and I'll just meet with them occasionally to help them to see once how they're doing in that particular issue. Mm -hmm. But most men that come to me just don't really have a father figure in their life somebody who's spiritually mature and mm-hmm. they don't know what they don't know and so they're kind of mm-hmm. coming to me and saying i think i just need to know more about how the christian life works in real life i'll tell you a story that that really is has a great word picture for you it's a little long story but i'll try to shorten it up i was at a convention about <laughs> six years ago in san francisco of men of of Um, it's a New Canaan Society is the name of the organization. It's a ministry of business and professional people mentoring younger business professional people, um, um, many of whom are not Christians. So the mentors are, but the the, um, people coming to New Canaan aren't necessarily. And so I went to their Mm -hmm. national convention the first time in in San Francisco, and we're at the St. Mark's Hotel, and Francis Chan and all these big time speakers are speaking, it's about 500 guys. At the end of the e- first evening, the announcer um, says, tonight there's cigars and wine on the rooftop of the St. Mark's Hotel. I'm thinking, that's my kind of ministry. So um, I went up, <laughs> uh, and there was a whole group of men sitting at a round table, There's maybe 200 people up there. And there was an empty seat, and I just sat and listened to talk to some of them for maybe 45 minutes and I finally said, hey guys, I got a question to ask. These Most of these were young entrepreneurs from Silicon Valley. You could tell they were really bright, very successful. And I said, what brings you to a conference like this um, and to pay 2,500 bucks to spend a whole weekend in San Francisco? One guy, the first guy said, well, he said, uh, I'll tell you why. He said, "Um, all my life I've been looking for a safe dad. And I said, whoa, I've never heard that before. What does that mean? He said, well, my dad was a total jerk. And had been married three times. I wouldn't ask him advice on anything. But I've been going to the meetings in the Valley of New Canaan, and there's some Christian older guys that seem to have their act together. They like their families. They're still married. um, (laughs) They seem to have a lot of wisdom. They're not arrogant about being Christians. I'm not ready to drink the Jesus Kool-Aid yet, but I'm intrigued by these men. Hmm. So the other guy sitting next to him says, well, I never thought about a safe dad idea, but I suppose that's what I'm looking for. Actually, I had a pretty good dad. My dad was a, worked for the post office, and he was a good guy. But I said, I made more last year than he's made in the last 20 years. There are things I would be embarrassed even talking <laughs> about. But the guys in the valley have actually helped me kind of figure out finances and how to put some boundaries and not just go crazy with spending and everything else i'm not a christian yet yeah. but it's intriguing to me so i came back to gun rapids and i called a bunch of half a dozen older guys like myself we call ourselves the geezers and and i said <laughs> i need a bunch of safe bags and let's start ho- hosting mm-hmm. some meetings where we're inviting other people to come and kick tires spiritually out of that we have dozens and dozens and dozens of young men who have come to faith over a six-year period of time, sometimes within months, sometimes five years, and some still haven't come to Mm -hmm. faith. So I consider that to be spiritual mentoring. Some people would say, well, that's that's evangelism. I call it spiritual mentoring. It's basically taking some, because all people are spiritual, it's taking them from wherever they are to wherever they think they need to be. So, um, mm. yeah, so there's all kinds of m- mentoring um, that people don't normally think of mentoring. I just don't like the term discipleship. It sounds like a bunch of teenagers in sandals walking around dusty Israel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody outside of the Christian world uses the term
1: discipleship, but almost everybody wants a mentor. Mm. That's a good point. So, in, in going along with that, do you feel like mentorship is something that um, is not emphasized enough in today's culture or could be emphasized more?
2: Well it happened naturally You know, a couple hundred years ago most men, boys grew up working with their fathers or other men in the community mm-hmm. in some trade and so they were working with their dads all the time so whether they picked yeah. up good habits and bad habits from the people that were close to them but once the industrial revolution came along and people left the farm and went to a factory they no no longer saw their dad until you know six eight o'clock at night dad is too pooped to talk to them and so we began a a natural breaking down of the natural mentoring process i don't think too many people actually thought about mentors you know up until maybe a hundred years ago in a in a in a traditional Mm. sense but it's almost surrogate fathering The only difference is mm-hmm. we can't choose mm-hmm. our father, but we can choose our mentor. So I have some guys yeah. who I mentor who have really good fathers but lack some skills in, in they just can't communicate with their sons in a way that makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. Or there's some baggage that makes their sons less likely to, to listen. So all of my kids, mm-hmm. our daughters, um, we have six grown children they've all had mentors um and they've grown incredibly spiritually i know all of their mentors they said the same thing i did but there's no baggage at all so the mentors are brilliant <laughs> and <laughs> and so i'm fine with that so um yes it's almost modern mentoring is almost um has replaced kind of the farm the home uh in in And and I think that has some value because not all dads and mothers were great dads and mothers. And so by mentoring allows you to find somebody who most people in the community or people in your church um, say, this is a good person. You ought to talk to them. And uh, so um, they've got character qualities. Maybe some of your parents don't have.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. Great perspective. So, if someone doesn't currently have a mentor or vice versa, if somebody is currently not mentoring someone, how would you encourage them to go about finding either a mentor or somebody to mentor?
2: So in that guide, there's some points on, there's some ideas on how to find that. But the, but the short answer is this begin praying about if you're a man, the most godly man, men that, you know, And start making a list of of people. And I know there's Mm -hmm. been some people that have said, well, I put this name down, but I just figured they would never do it. I said, well, if the Holy Spirit's actually giving you those names, and he may be, then don't rule them out simply because you think they're unapproachable. So um, Mm -hmm. make a list of three or four names of the most um, uh, godly men you know, or go to your pastor and ask him that question or her that question. Hmm. And then pray about it and just call the name that seems to be most on your mind and call and just say, um, I'd like to just meet and have a cup of coffee with you. I wouldn't, when people call me and ask me, will you be my mentor? I'll say, I have no idea. Let's meet and have a cup of coffee or have a meal. yeah, And, um, and let's date for a while, for lack of a better term. Well, you need to get to know me <laughs> and I need to get to know you. And so I never make the commitment until maybe two or three, four meetings um, in. Yeah. And uh, because I don't know if the chemistry is right. I don't know what they want. I don't know how yeah. teachable they are. Um. Uh, I don't know what they're, uh, yeah, I just don't know anything about them. So I think for that first meeting, just call someone and say, I'd like to have a what is it about? I would just like to hear how you've grown as a christian and some things you've done to be a stronger christian you've got a good reputation in our church or our community Mm. so i just want to pick your brain on what it means to be a better follower of jesus i can't imagine somebody not being flattered enough to take that off there'll be some people that'll think well (laughs) you're just trying to raise money from me or business advice so get your agenda right out there and but most, yep. if it's, if if that person is is actually going to be a good mentor for you, they will generally take that call. If they said no, no, I yep. don't do that kind of thing, then they probably aren't very good at that kind of thing. So that yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, yep. that's what we call a hot lead. In my trade, you know. So uh, those are, and so we we meet. And there's a whole list of questions in the guide that I wrote. Questions you can ask a would-be mentor and uh, questions mm-hmm. a mentor can ask you. And, uh, and so just get to know each other. So I will usually meet with someone and I'll say, hey, just give me a 15 minute snapshot of who you are. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Start with where you went to school, where you grew up, you know, uh, what kind of family you had. Mm-hmm. And I listen for cues. Do they talk affectionately about their parents, particularly their father, if it's a guy? Do they, when they talk about Jesus, do they kind of lean forward in their, to, to, that tells me they've got passion for Jesus or they use words like, well, you know, I go to church and I do that kind of thing that tells me this person is probably not terribly spiritually mature. So I listen for some of those cues yeah. in, the, in the answer to the questions that I ask and in the stories they tell mm-hmm. me. And yeah. then I will share with them maybe a 15-minute version of my story. And then I'll just let the Holy Spirit take it from there.
1: So, so other than no commitment until the third or fourth date, um, what would you say are some other things that you found to be essentials for having an effective mentor-mentee relationship?
2: Uh, so what I'll often do uh, in the early stages is I will give people assignments rather than saying, well, let's meet every week for, you know, who knows how long. I'll give them an assignment and say, I'd like you to write out your testimony. How did you come to faith? Um, And what did that look like? What did that feel like? And describe in there what you would say to somebody else. So write it out. And when you get that done, let me know. Mm -hmm. About two-thirds will do that, and the third won't call me back. Well, then fine. I, I don't have to spend time on, you know, I'm somebody who isn't going to do the work. If they do that work, yeah. I'll read it over, I'll listen will ask them some questions. And then maybe one of the assignments would be, you know what, I'd like you to call somebody for lunch or breakfast and just tell them your story. And let's talk mm-hmm. about how you can lead mm-hmm. into that. So it isn't like sit down at you know at Arby's and all of a sudden you just laid, you know, Christianity <laughs> on them. But how does it actually so? We might meet two or three times to kind of prep Mm -hmm. them on how to do that. But then after you've done that, give me a call. I want to see if they Mm -hmm. actually are willing to invest some time and energy into this. Sometimes I'll ask them, "Tell me, write down five things you hope to get from this relationship. And again, once you get that done, let me know. And then we'll set up an appointment. So it's just being Hmm. purposeful with them to separate out people, as I say, who just wanted to build, debate the Bible more intelligently with other people, as opposed to people who actually want to grow spiritually. Yeah. Sure.
1: So it's not just sitting down and talking, but you actually have some challenges or tests that you have help people go through.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it, in, this, in one sense, this is going to sound heretical, but I'm really not wild about Bible studies that last 10 years. I think Jesus would yes. prefer that we'd be half as smart and twice as obedient. So at some, at yes. some point, you've got to go out and actually do something. You know, if we, had, if we had kids in college and they were in college for 10 years, we'd go, whoa, 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 whoa. at the we'd go, four <laughs> or five, we'd go, hey, you need to get a J-O-B. We would expect them because it's costing <laughs> us something. But people figure that if they go to Bible yeah. study forever, they're actually going to be a more mature Christian. Mm-hmm. They may be a more knowledgeable Christian, but they may not be more mature. And the idea of spiritual mentorship yeah. is that you grow in maturity, not just knowledge of the Bible, but on how the Bible is actually applied in real life, which is wisdom. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great perspective and it, it's actually a great segue into our next question of you know, what's what's the difference in the experience as a you know, from being spiritually mentored versus just being mentored in any other way?
2: Yeah, obviously, if you are into spiritual mentoring, you are you are framing almost all of your advice based on either some teaching of Scripture, or what I would call just the wisdom of Scripture. And um, mm-hmm. I'll give you a really short story. I was speaking, mm-hmm. speaking with a group of high school students in a room with about 50 students in, high school seniors, and there were no other adults in the room. And I had spoken at their school, and the condition was that I had one hour with these people to ask any question they want. So one of them, one girl said, "Um, uh, is it a sin to kiss? And I said, why would you say that? And well, because my parents say they don't want me to kiss anyone until I'm engaged to them. So I asked all the other people, did Mm -hmm. anybody's parent actually say that to you? and they said no that's not been a requirement for me i said well the bad news is to you to the girl is that if you kiss somebody before you get engaged it's a sin for you but not for anybody else why is that well because well this principle isn't laid out clearly in scripture there's a principle that god gives parents authority to set rules that children are expected to obey as long as they're not antithetical to something in the bible and so mm-hmm. I said, so it um, uh, uh, there's a difference between sin and wisdom. All sin is unwise, mm-hmm. but not all unwise choices are sin. So I think part of spiritual mentoring is helping people to navigate how you make decisions. Because it may not be chapter mm. and verse in the Bible, but, but based on what we know about characters in the Bible, we know about the character of God and some general teachings Mm -hmm. Can we make application to real life situations? Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff you probably won't get in a Bible study, going through Hezekiah 12, you know?
1: (laughs) So when you think about, we talk about effective mentoring relationships, we talk about some of the things that you have mentees do in your personal mentoring relationships. Have you ever encountered things that you would say are deal breakers in mentoring relationships?
2: Yeah, for me, well, a couple of things. I will have people that come to me and they've got a business plan and they'd like me to do business consulting. That's not really mm-hmm. mentoring. It might be mentoring, but, but I don't do that. I, I sold my business 37 years ago for the sole purpose to not do business anymore so I can actually help people spiritually. So mm-hmm. I'm a deal breaker is that they want business advice. And um, mm-hmm. so I don't mind answering a question or two, particularly if it's an ethical issue that they've you know they're thinking about taking on doing yeah. this in a partnership and i'll talk to them about the wisdom of partnerships and what 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 makes a good partnership mm. and what the hazards i've seen in partnerships so some general principles but i don't want to be sitting down looking at their business plan to see when they're going to break even and how much cash they have so that's a deal breaker for me i just don't mm. have an interest you know in that <clears throat> um if they come to me and just say i need marriage counseling um, I say, I really don't do that. I can give you some advice, um, some counsel, but I said, I think you actually need a professional. And I've got two or three that I think would be <laughs> um, good for that. Um, uh, I had yeah. somebody contact me, in fact, a young guy who was who was in my, I was a, his youth group leader in high school 20 years ago. I hadn't heard from him <laughs> in 20 years. He's married now and wanted some investment advice. And so I met with him one time huh. And I gave him some general investment advice, you know, about mutual funds and about about index funds and some general kinds of things. But I said I don't really do investment advice um, uh, at, at, at all, other than some general things. But here's a website that I go to, Investopedia, and that gives you give you a good education in in, um, in finances. And if you have you need um, uh, guidance on a personal basis there's crown financial ministries there's a number of ministries that are out there mm-hmm. so uh yeah there's some of them, there's some areas they aren't deal breakers but they don't need long-term uh um advice from me and i'm really not
1: qualified to give it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it's good. almost like kind of like recognizing what your strengths are what your areas of expertise are right. not going beyond yep. that if you yep. can
2: and i don't have a hard and fast yep. rule i've never sat awesome. down and said. I, I don't do these things, but I do these things. There's just some things that I think God mm-hmm. has gifted me with experience, natural skills, spiritual gifts to be able to do. And there's some things that I'm not as good at, and I generally know that, what that is. Yeah. I mean, at 74, I'm 74 now. If you haven't figured out what you're not good at, then you, <laughs> so you're just slow. <laughs> <laughs> or you're great. getting outside. keep
1: room. that in mind.
0: You've mentioned a little bit the the resource that you put together as far as uh, mentoring, finding mentors, questions to ask, and we'll definitely be sure to share that out with folks. And but I'm curious if you've got any other good mentoring resources that you would recommend for folks to check out.
2: There is, I think, in that material. I haven't looked at it, and I haven't read my own material for a couple of years. But I think there is a (laughs) a number of books that I recommend. Um, And uh, you know, but a lot of it is just. Is uh, if if a person wants to learn to be a good mentor, go to somebody who is a good mentor, kind of the wisest person mm-hmm. you know, and and mm-hmm. you know that's the best. If you think about, if you wanted to learn to play the guitar, you wouldn't buy a book on learning to play the guitar. You might buy a book, but you'd know there'd be some limitations of that. Ultimately, you want to get a guitar instructor because this person can actually mm-hmm. show you how to hold the guitar and what to do with this and how come. How st- do you do the strings and yeah. that kind of thing? So, you know, nobody learns to be a good musician from buying a book. You really have to find somebody that comes alongside of you. And sh- and 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 when they, when they see you not doing it well, they can say, you know what, I probably wouldn't have done it that way. Here's an idea. And I have guys come mm-hmm. to me that said, you mm-hmm. know, I tried doing this with my teenage son. It was, you know, it was a failure. And I said, well, tell me what you did. And I'll go. Yeah, I can understand why that'd be a failure because, you know, he's not looking for more time with you like you're looking more for more time with him. So you have to do something that actually mm-hmm. do some kind of activity, at least leading into this, that he actually wants to do in spite of you being there. <laughs> you know? Right. So, so oh, I haven't thought about <laughs> that kind of thing. You know. So, and and the other thing, yeah. with the problem with books is that men don't read much at all anymore they'll listen to podcasts like yours, but they're, but a lot of the guys that That's I like, meet with are really smart people, but they're functionally illiterate, you know, in terms of, they just don't read much. They listen to all kinds of podcasts. So they're, yeah. they're smart, but they don't go to books. So, um, my, my mm. little guide is I think 10 pages long. So, um, it's kind of mentoring for dummies. And, uh, uh, and I think anybody can wade through that and. a, short period of time so i'm not mm-hmm. doing this to hawk my material I, I don't need to sell books to make a living or a material <laughs> to sell a living but i i wanted to i've gotten this these questions enough that i wanted to put it in written form so yeah. that uh, people would know kind of some next
1: steps to do well if people wanted to find out more about what you're about um and more about Graph himself where would they go
2: Clairdegraph.com. that's really easy yeah, that's dot com, Or just Google Clarity Graph. I'm the first one that comes up. Um, apparently, there are not many people that name their kids Clarity Graph. So I'm probably only one of six <laughs> in the world. So I have no competition. <laughs> if I was Al Anderson, that's
0: great. I'd be on my Google page, you know.
1: <laughs> well, awesome. Well, Claire, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad we could finally make this work. For our listeners that don't know, we did have some difficulties beforehand. We scheduled and rescheduled, and COVID happened, <laughs> um, but we were able to finally get this done. So, Claire, thank you so God, much. Thank
2: you. And thank you for mentoring me at technology. You taught me the <laughs> yeah. things. Anytime, so. No Anytime <laughs>
1: so <laughs> Yeah, that's one area we know a little bit about. But, okay, guys, so. thank you.
0: We appreciate you joining us today. Drop us a line on social media and let us know your thoughts.
1: Be sure to join us next week as we continue our 10-minute talk series and hash out our thoughts about today's conversation. And remember, it was never yours to begin with.